I'm your host, Rabbi Linda Schreiner Khan, and welcome to Tehillah Talks, where teens engage in honest conversation with their rabbi about what it means to be Jewish in the world today. Welcome to this summer edition of Tehillah Talks. As we welcome four participants, among them Jay Stanton, our rabbinic intern, who's going back to Chicago shortly, and we're really delighted that we have him with us on the podcast. But before we begin, let I invite everybody to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Julian. I've been on this a few times. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jasmine, and I've also been here before. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Gideon. This is my first time doing a podcast, and this is my first time on Tequila Talks. And I'm Jay Stanton, and it's my first time doing a podcast and my first time on Tequila Talks, too. And I think I might be Tequila Talks' biggest fan, so <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Welcome. Yes, welcome. And, and uh, Jay really wanted to talk about... A particular topic, and so I'm going to throw it his way so he can introduce the topic. Yeah, I wanted to talk with all of you about what it's like growing up in an interfaith family, because uh, I grew up in one, uh, and I know it's, I know Jasmine and Julian have talked about it on the podcast before, uh, and I know it's a big part of my identity, and I know it's part of your identities, too. And I want to hear about what that's like for you. So if anyone wants to um, jump in. I think something that was really interesting for me, um, my dad's Jewish, my mom isn't, is when I got bat mitzvah, it was perceived by a lot of my mom's family as like, a am choosing this as my full identity and I'm sort of like, oh, now she's Jewish, you know? It was it had a lot more weight to it than I had for myself because I didn't really view it as me choosing to be Jewish suddenly, you know? But a lot of my mom's family was like, oh, so you weren't Jewish before, but now you are. And also a lot of that was because, like... Sorry if my grandma's listening to this. Um, <laughs> but so there was like this one really interesting conversation I had with her where she was like, So I respect that you're religiously Jewish, but there's a reason why in Judaism it's passed down through the mother, and that's because the egg is the most powerful. <laughs> She was like, so you get 75% of your DNA from the egg. So therefore, you're 75% Anglo-Saxon because I'm Anglo-Saxon. And so then your mom is 75% Anglo-Saxon. And so then you are 75% Anglo-Saxon. And I was like, that's worrying. (laughs) So she was like, I respect that you chose and converted to Judaism However, you are ethnically Anglo-Saxon. Was based, and she's Scottish. Like, that's not even Anglo-Saxon. But anyway. <laughs> it was... Uh, so that's sort of a... So, she, like, no one was, like, mad about that. But I think it was, like, when my mom chose to marry a Jewish person, no one really thought about 
that making me Jewish, you know, in my mom's side of the family. That possibility didn't exist. Yeah. Got it. Or it was like, my grandma's an atheist. Like, I was, like, they didn't expect me. I think it was just, like, it was not that the possibility didn't exist, but it it was, like, presumed in their minds as sort of, like, a unconscious bias that this was the predominant culture. Got it. No, I've noticed that, like, even just from one of my parents... Because right, my family is multi-ethnic, that if I am doing anything that highlights one part of my culture or one part of my identity and ignores another part, my parents are like the first ones to get upset with me about yeah. it. Like, what about this part? And I think that's one of the things that when you are multi-ethnic is part of life. But I'm going to just jump in here for a moment on this one because um, my mother was from Germany. My father was from the Austro-Hungarian border. My mother came from a big city. My father came from a small town. Let me tell you, that came up in our family too, and it had, and they were both Jewish, and they were both spent the war years in China. So I think it is this kind of Within a family, there's a certain kind of tribalism that emerges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do you mean you're identifying with this parent more than this other parent? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's my parents never... Like, it's weird because my parents are never like that. It's really just, like, extended family just on my mom's side. Um, <laughs> so it's a very specific... And, I mean, it's not like they have a problem with it. They just have weird beliefs about what makes me, like, like they have weird pseudoscience about ethnicity. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, part of it is probably they want to claim you. Yeah. You know, they want, they're proud of you. I I know that from my family. Like, you know, children are... And teens, the future of the family. So everyone wants to stake a claim. Stake a claim as like this is how my culture is being passed on in the world. Yeah. So what about you? Um. So my mom is supposed to be Catholic, but she chose not to be. And every time I say I'm part Catholic, she says. No, your your other religion is mo- the mama religion. That's always what she does. My dad is Jewish. That's why I'm... And I um, specify Jew as a Jew because, one, I go to a Jewish school. Two, because I want to identify myself as a Jew because every time I hear their history, my history... I hear about all the horrible things that have happened, and I was think, why not just stay as a Jew, the one one of my identities, and not be someone else, be myself a Jew. Also, yeah, I have. To, also, another thing, I also identify myself as half black and half white because my dad's white, my mom's black, and. If I was born like the 1980s, I would base me, me, I would be against the law. So would my parents be because whites can't, can only like each other. Like white and white, black and black, that's it. But 
with my parents, it's black and white. And I like other cultures because um, black culture is very real, is very special to me because they made a lot of things like hip. They made some hip hop. They made a lot of stuff. <laughs> what? Hey, come on! I'm a don't big lie. fan of hip hop too. Yeah, <laughs> Julian, you want to say yeah. something? I mean, my dad uh, is British and Scottish as well, so he grew up in the Anglican Church, which, like, if you don't know is kind of run by the British government. And since he went to boarding school, it was like very forced upon him, even though his family was not religious at all. So he's pretty cynical about religion. And I think that kind of had a, had a big influence on me when I was younger. And I was a, like, for a long time, I was a little confused about how I wanted to identify myself. Like in Judaism, as we spoke about, um, it's matrilineal. Like your mother, if your mother's Jewish, then you're Jewish, no questions asked. And I think I had a pretty big qualm with that. I was like, well, but my dad is, my dad is ag- agnostic or whatever you want to call it. And I was like, for a long time, I was kind of on the fence about whether I was going to identify myself as a Jew. And it took me a long time to kind of realize that you can sort of pick how you identify. Like you can sort of create an own your own identity when you're sort of stuck in the middle. I don't know if you can like relate to that but almost like I may be Jewish but I'm my own my, I'm my own person my, I'm that's just not dictating who I am and how I have to act well, so I agree Hold on. I agree because I feel in the middle for two reasons one the first reason is half black half white said that before <laughs> second reason is that um <sighs> Like, on my mom's side of the family, which is very big, trust me, I'm Catholic. But on my dad's side, I'll say that's in the middle, like, half of the size of my mom's side. I'm Jewish, so I don't... So, sometimes I try and stay in the middle of both, but sometimes I just go over to the Jew side. But when I... But the black and white... I always stay in the middle of that. Yeah, but even though you're Jewish, like you can still you may be Jewish, but you're also like half black, as you said. Like yeah, you're, and you're multiple things at once. Yeah, and so would you say that most of us have multiple identities? Um, if yeah, I, I if mean, I gave you a list, if I gave you a checklist, you would be checking off a number of different items. It's not. It's yeah. just not one thing. Yeah. Right. I, I mean. But that's what makes right. us unique, I guess. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I think. That's one thing that, as people grew up in multi-ethnic, multicultural, multiracial, for some of us, families, right, that that's something that our experiences, we have experiences not everyone has that can be useful for other people to hear about, because really everyone has a lot of identities that are that you juggle. Juggling and sometimes put in tension or in conflict with each other. And it's not easy. And I think, I know from my experience, like, growing up in a home where that was talked about helps me in those situations, even when it has nothing to do with religion or nothing to do with um, ethnicity. Yeah. I think when you have a very obvious 
conflicting identity, you do sort of learn how to balance that. And everyone has to deal with something like that in their life, you know, because everyone is extremely unique, extremely multifaceted. And that's always going to end up in some sort of conflict. I think it's a merit to sort of be forced to deal with that, you know. It's it's an asset. Yeah. I think it's an asset to be forced to deal with it. I think, I mean, I, mine wasn't as complex in a way, but growing up where I grew up, grew up in New York, um, I did not grow up in a neighborhood that was all these Jewish refugees. I grew up on the Upper West Side, and my friends were all multi-generational Americans. I was the only one who was a first-generation American. Mm-hmm. And that was a wholly different experience. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same as growing up uh, in a family where one parent is Jewish and one isn't, but it still meant that I was different from my friends mm-hmm. and able to bridge gaps with people who were who also had multiple identities. Do, do, you, know, do you know what I mean? So we had in common that, oh, your mom is Jewish and your father's black. Oh, so you're not just like everybody, you know, you don't fit into a neat little box. I don't fit into a neat little box. Oh, what if, what are there, these neat little boxes and, and do they matter? Mm-hmm. And I think from the time that I was growing up to when you're growing up, I'm hoping that those boxes are less and less prevalent. So that's a question I have for you. Do you still feel that there are these boxes that people want to put you in? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, like, for me, as I've gotten older, I've started to realize how little, like, how impossible it is and how no one can be described so easily. And even if you obviously fit outside of that box, it's like, just because every, everyone does. No one fits neatly into a box. And so I think it should. I mean, I think personally, as I grow older, people are starting to realize that, like, on a personal level. But culturally, I don't really know, you know. I think there are still cultural expectations um, based on your identity. And the since people have so many layers to your their identity it's impossible to be able to fit all those expectations i kind of want to go back to something gideon said about why he thought it was important to identify as a jew because i related to that to some degree and i think that's another aspect of being half jewish is that you sort of have to think about or i think a lot of people have a panic when it comes to intermarriage because they're worried about Judaism surviving. And you have to make that... And so then as a person from an interfaith marriage, it's, um, you know, difficult to be like, oh, so, like, I have to carry this on. I have to show that, like, I'm not, like, the death of Judaism, you know? You're not the end of the line. Yeah, I'm not the end of the line. pressure in that regard? I mean, not for my family, but I think I, I know that... It was important to me that I showed my grandparents that I wasn't ashamed of being Jewish. And I think that's something that... Because when you do have other... Like, I have family members who for a very long time were not really acknowledging being Jewish. They were also half Jewish. And it can be easier to just say... I mean, for me, my last name's Hyman. It's like... like, um, It can be easier to ignore that or, like, ignore your cultural heritage. 
Um, My last name is Rach, so yeah. some people mispronounce that a lot, and <laughs> I get a lot but, of questions. Hold on, can I, can I say something? <laughs> this is my last name. Weezen. <laughs> some people say Weizen. Uh-huh. And here's another thing. People keep spelling it wrong <laughs> every single time. I think we've touched on a sore note here. For yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think names are really complicated. When I was in college... I had a friend that was, like, looking for my dorm room to get some, like, homework help on math, which is a subject I'm really good in, um, and was, like, looking at the floor plan, you know, and found me on the floor plan and then says, that can't be Jay because Jay's Jewish, right? <laughs> so, like, that's not a Jewish name, so it's the wrong Jay, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that... Because my last name is Stanton, which is not a name that, um, at least in American culture, like kind of screams Jewish from the name. So, like, I think that name difficulty can go in two ways. Yeah. For, for sh- sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you touched on, like, kind of being ashamed of being Jewish, and that's something I personally felt. I mean, like... I think when I was younger, I kind of associated Judaism with, like, a lot of, like, really painful stereotypes, I guess. I don't know why. Like, I think it's kind of complicated why I felt that way, but I kind of saw Jewish people as being, like, almost resentful but not proactive and, like, being in a way weak, I guess. And that's something that a lot of people, like, trope out about Jewish people, and I kind of internalized that in a way. And it took me a long time to kind of, like, unpack like unpack that and, like, acknowledge it. And the fact that, like, I wasn't, I wasn't sharing this huge part about my identity with my friends. Like, a lot of my friends didn't know I was Jewish. But things have really changed for me because, like, you know, at my school, the High School of American Studies, like, race and, and identity are, like, very controversial and very, like, heated topics. But I'm, like lucky enough to have friends who are very diverse and a lot of them are first generation immigrants. Like, and I, I really love that together. We're all like proud of our differences in a way and like proud of how unique we all are. And that's something that's come to be very important to me, but I used to be, I used to kind of like shy away from that. So that's something I've learned over time. And I think Tahila helped me a lot with obviously, but like my girlfriend is, she's Muslim and she's very religious. And in Islam, you, a woman, a man can have kids with a a woman who's of a different religion, but a woman can't like marry or have kids with a non-Muslim. And I kind of struggled with that because like, even though I'm not, you know, marrying her or having kids with her anytime soon, hopefully, (laughs) like it's still kind of hurtful to know that like her culture, like sees others as like not being acceptable to to be in love with or whatever. And like, at least my family, like knowing that even though my dad has such like radically different feelings about religion than my mother, like they, they're in love and they're a happy family. So it's hard for me to kind of like, I'm like, well, you know, you disregard things about religion all the time. Like, you know, you, 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 you kind of pick and choose sometimes with religion. Like, why can't you just leave this thing behind? And it's hard for me to accept the fact that like, if she were to do that, it would like, in a way, like, kind of break up her family. And it's it's just painful, I guess. Like, yeah. And historically, that's been the case for intermarriage and Judaism, right? Yeah. So, um, 
I see you. And uh, even when my when my parents got married, like it was controversial to have an intermarriage. Um, and I think that in some Jewish communities it still is, in ours it's not. So, I, but it's it's a hard thing to reckon with that you know if I were born right. earlier, you know, or my parents even like five years earlier. Like, it would have been a completely different story. So, Julian, that thing about how some, how Muslims have to basically have kids and marry another Muslim, that's that's kind of close to the meaning of inbred. It's what kings and queens used to do. I would replace, I'm just going to interject, there's a technical term, that it's a big word I'm going to teach you all. It's called uh, endogamy, and it endogamy? means marrying within your own culture. So it's different than inbred, but I think what you're talking about is endogamy, uh, right? Yeah. Which is the Ju- practice Judaism. of marrying with people who are similar to you in your own group. I mean, to me, like it makes a lot of sense. Like to me, I mean, I I really believe that I'm somebody who tries to understand, but. I've realized that I still am pretty flawed when it comes to this because, like, I'm like, well, why can't a man go and... and uh, it doesn't matter to the, for a man to do that, even though he's, like, he's supposed to be the patriarch in, in Muslim society, but a woman can't. And it's it seems, like, pretty obvious. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to... No, um, no, no, no. It's just that the reason why I said inbred... Sorry, I just had to say... I had to say that. Viewers? Nah. Sorry. Um, but that's what people used to do to keep yeah. to keep the blood pure. I say that in air quotes. They, like, marry and have kids with either their aunt, uncle, sister, brother. It doesn't matter. But they did that because they didn't... Because other people were outside... Did yeah. not have the same blood type them. as them. They want to have pure blood. Yeah. But and the philosophy of endogamy, right, marrying within your group, is kind of similar. Yeah, right. but it's different. It's, it's not as extreme. Right, but it's not as extreme. I just want to, like, bring that parallels. general. <laughs> there are some parallels, but I think this idea that, like, it's better to marry someone who's very similar to you is out there in our culture. And I think sometimes it does touch on what Gideon is bringing up, which is the idea that other people are viewed as outsiders and destructive to the group. Um, and so I want to know, have in Jewish context, have you experienced like any... Like your family, your non-Jewish family members, or even yourselves, being viewed as outsiders as for not being Jewish or not being from a family with two Jewish parents. Well, my dad's family in the UK is like they're very, very accepting. I would say like that's never ever been an issue. But I would say like within my Jewish family, I felt like lesser than or like not as Jewish as like say, some of the Orthodox or, like, more religious members of the family or, like, the more traditional older generation. And, you know, combined with the fact that my father isn't Jewish, like, I have felt a little alienated and, like, outside sometimes, like, with with my Jewish family itself. And that, like, has been something I've struggled with. 
Um, and like, even though I feel I'm like, I feel pretty confident in who I am overall, like in, in my identity as a Jew and in general, like there are times when I feel almost like sensitive about it, I guess. And yeah. I in within my family, that's never been an issue. And I've never had an issue with that in terms of being half Jewish or like being patrilineally Jewish, except for like just knowing, like, or just hearing people be sort of mean about it in anonymous internet ways. Um, like, I read some article about, like, how intermarriage is destroying Judaism or something. And, like, you know, besides from that, like, in my actual real life, I think it's just I didn't really grow up knowing anything about Judaism except for what I learned from my family. I didn't have any Jewish friends and I didn't really know anything about Judaism except for what I knew from my grandparents and my dad. And so when I went to my middle and high school, which was very, very Jewish, it was like I sort of felt like I didn't know, know things, you know, or like I didn't know enough. But that wasn't to do really with being uh, like interfaith from an interfaith family. <coughs> It was really more just about having general lack of knowledge about Judaism. Cultural. Yeah. A lot of times I Cultural, feel not Jewish necessarily. Enough. What? Like, yeah. A lot of times I don't feel Jewish enough, even though yeah. that's not really something I desire, like I'm comfortable with how so, I am. So what does that mean? I mean, I... Not so, Jewish enough. Like, no, no, I've but heard, I, no I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but so here in this community, yeah. I am the only female rabbi. Yeah. When I tell my friends that you're a woman, they're like, what? And I'm like, right. And so, and, and this is a community, <laughs> this community in, in Riverdale uh, has a large uh, traditional Jewish community, right? And that, I mean, now there is, there are female rabbis who function, but they're not heading congregations. I'm going to put it, phrase it that way, because there are definitely, um, there definitely are, are women who are in positions of teaching. And I was at a meeting yesterday and I looked around the room and it was all these men and who were leading these institutions. So you feel like you're not so. And I want to voice my opinion from my thin sliver of the world, or maybe it's actually not so thin. And it, it's about power. Yeah. I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah. You don't feel like when, that you're when, when the, the place. Say, yeah, when people say like, oh, you're not Jewish enough. Like, I mean, I've heard mean? people say I'm like a fake Jew. And it's like, it's taking the power away from my identity. Yeah. Like, and that that's what really it's bothers me about it. Taking I'm, away your right to self-identify yeah. and to make your own choice. Yeah, and I know if I told those people, like, what, what I do in this community, like, the level of involvement I have, the like, the journey I've been that I've been on, like, I know that they would respect that as Jews, even though I'm not, say, like, celebrating, like, the like yeah. every single little, you know, I'm not wearing a yarmulke every day. They would, they have to respect the fact that, like, they may have been born into, like, a very Jewish environment, but I've chosen to, like, to do that. So it's it's hurtful in a way. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, like, I, as, like, a patrilineally Jewish person, it's, like, people who are close to me in my life aren't really like this. Like, I don't have anyone close to me in my life who's like this. But if, like, I tell people just in casual, like, that I'm meeting casual conversations that I'm half, I'll say I'm half Jewish or something like that. And they'll be like, oh, your mother or your father. I'll be like, my father. Oh, so you're not really Jewish. Like, that's something that happens all the time. And it's like, oh, so, like, and it's usually people who aren't Jewish. They just know about the matrilineal thing. And they're like, 
it's just so arbitrary. It's like, yeah. I don't know. But I, I also know that, like, sometimes I as well can be a little, like, I can paint with broad strokes. Like, mm-hmm. as, as much as, like, there's been times when I've been hurt, I know I've also hurt people unconsciously. So I try to be aware of that as well. Like, I try to take the experience I've had of sort of feeling a little bit in the middle and and think about how others feel, but I, I still fall short a lot, so. I hear from Gideon, because I know um, you so wanted to jump there's in. There's a part that. that you said, how you said how you said that the leader of Gila was a girl. They're like, what? Yeah. That's sexist, because yeah. women, because <laughs> ha- actually women can do great things. <laughs> Just trust me. They, they don't even think that's that an important point. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's so much lack of knowledge. Yeah. And I think the questions about matrilineal descent or patrilineal descent is one of those areas where a little knowledge can be a bad thing. Because when you actually look at the whole course of human of human history and Jewish history, how identity has been determined, how it's been culturally passed down, it changes over time. And so there's, like, when people have only one view about how Judaism works, it's kind of like an indication that it's a narrow perspective. And I think one of the things I know about growing up in an interfaith household is that I felt like sometimes my perspective was automatically broader than some of my peers who didn't grow up in a culturally diverse household. And I want to know from all of you if you feel that you see the world differently because of coming from an interfaith family. Can I amplify that question? Yes, because I'm going to challenge that question yeah. for a moment because we only can be who we are. So I want to challenge it because you've never not been from an interfaith family. Right. So, so can you explain that question a little bit right. clearly? So we can't be two people at once. I can't like say, what if I wasn't I like from I like an interfaith family? But I think... The question is, do you feel that there's a special perspective that you have on the world because of who you are in this aspect of who you are? I think you automatically have more access to different opinions in a way, like really wide array of opinions. And um, I mean, for me, that's like religious, political. I mean, I have... People on my mom's side of the family who are very, very religious um, Christians. And it's, I think, being exposed um, because of your family to a lot of different types of people and a lot of different opinions, belief systems, does, I think, uh, set you up to be more open-minded. So, yeah, I think that's helpful. I don't think that means that if you come from a very uh, homogenous, isn't the right word, but, like, Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Family, that means that you can't also have that type of exposure. That's definitely not true. I've also feel like a lot of things um, in my life and just socially relating to other people has helped me to understand a wide array of people and like try to understand people from different backgrounds. 
but de- it definitely forces you to empathize with people who are different than you because there are two you come from two like for me like like antithetical like belief systems polar. yeah I mean they're not polar opposite but like I mean there there's like extremely left wing Jewish people and like conservative Christian people on my mom's side and like my grandma's not conservative because she wouldn't like me implying that but everyone else is <laughs> um I just I just had to say that in case she listened to this and so she wouldn't get even more mad at me than she already would be for that <laughs> original thing um uh, but yeah what about Gideon um so uh boy sorry I need to go to the bathroom I'll be right back Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll take Jonah or Julian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't want to say that it's made me more open-minded. I think in a lot of ways it's made me a little bit more confused, I guess, about who I am and what I'm supposed to like feel like, I guess. But I think I've really learned the most from my friends. Like I've learned to kind of try to not put people in boxes for my friends a lot of the time. And it's I would say it's like a, I would say being from an interfaith family has made me like a little bit more flexible almost with what I do with my life. Like, for example, I've become like, I've become involved in creating like a Muslim student association at my school. And a lot of people have been like, you're Jewish. Why are you involved in that? And I'm like, well, I may be Jewish, but like, I still care about religion. Like, I still care about these issues. I still want to play a part in this regardless of if I'm Jewish or not. And somebody who is, like, just from a straight Jewish background would maybe, like, put more weight on that argument than I did. Like, because I'm somebody who's kind of switched between boxes and and roles. It's it's easy for you to acknowledge that life is sometimes complicated. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because, like, my dad, I would say, like, something I've learned from my dad is that like, identity can be very complicated. I think for him it is. Um, like, he's somebody who, who lives very far from his family, very far from his country, and, like, his upbringing. And he kind of he kind of has to, like... I feel like he's almost like... I don't know how to say, Like, he's almost like his own island, in a way. And I've from observing him, I've learned a lot about, about that. So, I don't know. Yeah. All right. So, when I came in... I came back, guys. Um, so, <clears throat> I heard that identity is difficult for your dad. Yeah. Um, do you understand why? I mean, yeah, because he he lives very far from his family, and he's... I don't... Yeah, I, I think I do, but it's kind of, like, hard to articulate. Got it. But I th- what about... I was going to say something else that um, I don't know how long ago this book came out. Rachel and Paul Cowan wrote a book called Mixed Blessings. And they were figures in the 80s. And and Rachel ultimately became became Jewish and became a rabbi. But the truth is, and I, I really do believe this, is that every family is a mixed family. Because you're coming from your own tribe your own way of doing things. And no two families, Jewish, not Jewish, are going to be fully identical. Yeah, and, right. and, and that's the box piece. So that when somebody tries to put you in a box, sorry, yeah. it's not going to work. And I think the harder it is to fit 
into the boxes that other people set out, the easier it is to see that they're there. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that's one aspect of growing up interfaith, right, or with multi-ethnic, that, like, I see the boxes all the time. And my dad converted to Judaism when I was 15, right? And I still see those boxes everywhere in the Jewish community of how the, the boxing people in can happen. And I think that's because... I was on the outside of the box. I want to ask, do you feel like boxes about religion and race are very easy for you to see when your friends around you maybe don't? Well, my friends are around me. That, the box of my religion and skin, it makes it a little more clear to me because I go to... Listen to this. I go to a school full of basically white kids. So I, so, um, and they're they're all pretty much Jewish, so, yeah. So I feel like sometimes I feel like I'm the only, like, black kid in the entire school. And, uh, because... There is not many, and so the ra- so the Jewish box I get, but the skin needs some more time. It's yeah, an interesting. And, and you a, see, you feel that box. I feel school. a little boxed in with because I'm around lots of white kids in my school, and I feel boxed in. But in my religion, I feel like three hundred miles away from the box. Yeah. 300 miles. 300 miles. I get that. So I have one last question, and I think it can be answered briefly. Okay. You know, maybe even with one word. Do you feel like you've made an active choice to be in touch with the Jewish part of yourself and your family? Yeah. Do you feel like you made a deliberate choice? Yeah, to do that. Well, I made a deliberate choice to distance myself from that by not having a bar mitzvah. And then I made a deliberate choice to go back to that by having a bar mitzvah two years later. So I've kind of gone both paths. So absolutely. But, but where you are now is you function as a teacher in the community. Yeah, right. yeah. I found my own niche, I would say. Yeah, I definitely... I mean, I, I wanted to have a bar mitzvah. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't say anything about our myths, but I'm only nine. <laughs> so, yeah, it's coming down the pipe. <laughs> well, I want I want to thank you all for a robust conversation, and thank you. Uh, it was great having you Wait, what? as the youngest member of this. So it's it's. Uh, Gideon, thank you for joining us. Thank you, thank you. And <laughs> uh, everybody, have a terrific. Summer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Tehillah Talks. For more information about Tehillah, go to congregationtehillah.org. Tune in next time when our teens continue to reflect on issues of the day through a Jewish lens.